Annie Nicole and I am working on season two of the Empowered Path podcast and I'm joined here this morning with Nat who has had a very varied career path and we're going to have a little chat about some of the things that she's done and been and what's on next for her. So hi Nat, how are you doing? I'm good mate, I am good and yourself? Yeah, can't complain. <laughs> no one listens. No, exactly. <laughs> right, so talk to me about you. What is your journey? When did you start work? Uh, I started, well, are we going way back? Yeah, I want to know. We're going way, way back. I reckon you took your independence quite young, so I want to know what that looked like for uh, you. Look, I did. And it's not because I'm hardworking, because I'm not. <laughs> um, but I just think I wanted the money. So I started, my first job was started at Contatio in Scarborough, the, the restaurant there. Okay. And my brother was already working there. So they said, hey, we'll take you on. I think I was only about 15, 16. Um, and he said, look, you know, just wear a skirt and some shoes. And of course I thought, well, that obviously means stilettos. So I walked in on the first day and had these high heels on and the guy just looked at me and went, you are going to be dead by the end of the day. Uh, true. So since then I have decided never to work, wear heels again. I think that's just a good life flats. choice actually. I think, yeah, that's I think so idea. too. <laughs> um, so that's where I started my career and then things always kind of happen me. I've been told I have a very lucky face. Uh, and some people say I have a lucky face for radio. Oh. <laughs> uh, they're no longer my friends. So, but things just sort of come into my path when I need them to. So I was the youngest taxi driver in Perth at okay. the time. I was still you? on, I was 17. I was on P plates. Okay. I can't believe people actually got in <laughs> to my taxi. Dodgy as hell. Uh, but my dad was a taxi driver. So I thought, I'll oh, give this a give this a burl. And then from there, I then became a two-way operator with Swan Taxis. Okay. Then I moved from there, became a two-way operator with a career company and did some career work myself. Uh, and then we kind of got into, oh gosh, where'd I go from there? I went into radio. So I did some stand-up comedy and met a guy called Shane, who was at 94.5 at the time. And I thought, this is what I want to do. So I went through the Academy of Radio and I got my first job was unheard of. I started doing breakfast at Coast FM. Great. Wow. Isn't that like a, isn't that a prime spot? Pretty much. Wow. Mandra. Uh, because it's very hard. You'd never get into a cap city. So when they offered me Mandra, I'm like, well, I can still live in the metro area, commute down to Mandra. Great little station down to Mandra. Started doing that. And then I heard about the boss, the um, program director at 94.5 was going to a Foxtel launch. And I thought, right, okay. <laughs> so I went to the Foxtel launch and met him. And he said, well, I'll give you an interview on the spot. And then he said, right, come in tonight. I want you to, to learn our system. He said, and you can go on air tonight. That's amazing. Yeah. And then I started um, doing just music shifts. Started then doing something called the Saturday show, which then morphed into uh, afternoon drive shift with two boys, Shane and, uh, and Clairsey. So that's where it went. And then from there I did sort of 10 years, you know, in radio. Then I went across the RSPCA. Started picking up uh, dog uh, doggy doo-doos in <laughs> the kennels, worked my way up to running the shelter and then became an inspector, an RSPCA inspector, which was the love of my life. It was basically one of the best jobs I've ever been privileged to have. It'd be hard though. That's not going to be an easy Yeah. Year. 
there is a certain amount of time you can do that job yeah. before. I was thinking it's yeah. not something that you could do for years and years. I don't think. The stuff that you see and people, you know, your family and friends, they really don't want to hear about it. Um, so there's a lot of dark humour with RSPCA <laughs> inspectors and I'm sure it's the same with the cops and ambos and stuff as well. Lots of dark humour and I did that for years and then I started community outreach within the RSPCA. So from there I actually started... Um, a thing called community action days. So people in lower socioeconomic areas, I'd organise for vets to go out to the park. Wow. Uh, free food, uh, free product like uh, parasiticides for them, dog training advice. So I started that. And then I also started Pets in Crisis, which at the time there was no shelters in Perth that were able to take women caught in domestic violence situations if they had animals. So oh. you'd basically leave your animals with the perpetrators uh, and often perpetrators would use those animals to try to get their partners back. So we started that, started uh, taking animals in um, for them uh, for a period of time, fostered them, uh, got them looked after like medically uh, and then they went back home. So, and then we did the education stuff as well. So junior ambassadors, we started that little scheme for kids that went above and beyond for animals in the environment uh, and yeah, had kids coming into the shelter. And then one day I just thought, oh, must be an easy way to make money. <laughs> and then I started sales repping and did that for two years. And then he got a phone call from 6IX uh, program director Potts and he said, hey, do you want to get back into radio? And I'm like, oh, I'm pretty comfortable doing very little work for a lot of money. But I did. I ended up doing it because of the guy that I met. So Rob McCasker, who I work with, is probably the nicest guy I know. Um, That's really cool. Very animal orientated too. <laughs> so there's a bit of a trend here there. Well, as soon as I did the demo, I'm like, oh, I like this guy because as soon as we, he starts talking about his dog and I'm like, okay, uh -huh. all <laughs> it's right, <a> sign. <laughs> all right, all right. So when I knew when they offered me the job, um, beat the other girls to the job, when they offered me the job, I said, well, who's it going to be working with? Because that makes a big difference. And they said, yeah, Rob, the guy you did the uh, demo with. And I went, right. You're in. <laughs> Done deal. I'll take that. So tell me, I mean, a lot of the story is people-centric. Do you like people? It, <laughs> 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 it depends which people. It's funny because um, I, I love interacting with people, talking with people, uh, being around people. That's one side of me. And then there's another side of me that likes nothing better than just my own company. Yeah. The peace and quiet of the voices in your head. Absolutely. <laughs> it, 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 well, you probably, yours is probably a little noisier than mine, but uh, that's why I took up scuba diving. So right. I've got my scuba diving ticket, getting my advance ticket soon as well. But that's one place that I don't have to think about anything other than myself and the beauty, you know, down under the water. Yeah. But yeah. There are times when... Um, when I am around people, I'm just like, I'm, I'm done now. Or I'm on a, on a phone call because, heaven forbid, if I text you, do not phone me. Like, I just, just text me back. Feel that in my soul. Oh, and they ring me and I'm like, oh, for God's <laughs> sake. Um, and I'm just like, yep, have a conversation. Right, I'm bored now. See ya. Boom. So, yeah, I, I, I get over people very quickly. The thing is, the people that you're coming into contact with, it's a varied, it's a very demographic. It's not going to be one kind of person or one kind of space. No. You've done a lot in terms of educating and making things better and trying to leave people and animals better than you find them. Mm -hmm. But then does that also make you disappointed in humanity? Does it leave you a little mm. bit, you know, jaded? Yes. With 
the whole concept. You know, when I when I used to be on the job at the RSPCA, I would rock up to properties where there's a dog just left or two dogs left in the backyard. Um, and it's the basic stuff. So you can see they're skinny. They look like a coat hanger. And it's the middle of summer and there's no water there. No, Now that's a basic requirement, that and food. And then you knock on the door and somebody sort of, you know, slides up to the door, smokes and some Jim Beam in the hand. And I'm like, so you've decided to smoke and have a couple of uh, bevies and your dog's out the back with not even water. So, um, and it, and it's it's in stark contrast to family and friends and especially me personally, how I treat my animals. You know, they yeah. are like little people to me. They, um, gosh, you know, I fluff up the pillow in the bed. <laughs> uh, I don't move for fear of upsetting my dogs on the bed. So it's stark contrast. So there are those times and that's, that's a basic requirement. But even when, you know, people, I will never understand how people will maliciously beat an animal. Um, no. You know, sentient beings have done no wrong. And then you take those dogs into the shelter, you seize those animals, you take those dogs into the shelter and they're still the ones wagging their tails. They've got such a great capacity to love and to teach us a better way regardless of what's happened to them. Better than us. Well, you look at people. Any day. Yeah, you look at people who have come out of shitty relationships and they never want to put themselves back into that space. They're so traumatised by it. Mm. But our animals show us that regardless of what we've gone through, the joy of life is, is the connection. It's the opportunity for it to be better than what it has been. Yeah. And to do that with no agenda. So I think that that's a point well made. It's an incredible life lesson that I've learned. And like even I've got horses as well. So they're they're not tolerant. <laughs> <laughs> they will not put up with your shit. They literally won't. They're they're a very clear reflection of me. And I find mm. that they require presence. Above all else, they require me to be present. So if I try mm. and go into any kind of interaction with them where I'm not paying attention, it doesn't end well for me. No. Uh, not my finest hour. <laughs> So. Are we talking being uh, kicked off, uh, bitten? Uh. So my big guy, Titan, he will take my, he'll hold my boot in his mouth and he will pull. So right. he will get me off his back if he wants to. Not in a malicious way, but he knows when I'm not paying attention. Yeah. He knows if I've got my phone out or if there's something else going on there. And he's like, excuse me, back to me. Yeah. It's all about me. And if I haven't paid enough attention with him, he has a way of letting me know. He'll follow me around. He'll like, he'll literally walk behind me with his head on my shoulder. Every time I stop, he stops. If I hold his bridle up, he'll put his head into my bridle. Like he's, wow. he's incredible with that. We don't deserve them. We don't. And equally when he doesn't want to, and it doesn't matter if I haven't seen him in a couple of weeks because mm. they're down Pinjara. So it's a bit of a trick. Oh, it is too. Yeah. So if I haven't seen him for a week or two, um, and he's not interested in me for whatever reason, he'll turn around and walk away. And yep. our agreement is I will not follow him. If he wants to be with me, he'll be with me. And if he doesn't, I have to respect that. Yeah. So the amount of times I've gone down with all of my gear in the car, I've got my saddle, I've got my everything. And he's like, mm, nah, not yeah. feeling it today. See, that's where you and I are different. If I've traveled like an hour to get down, I'm like, listen here, come here. You bugger. I am riding you. not worth it. <laughs> I've tried to not work well. See, that's why I like motorbikes. Yeah. You just put the fuel in and it just goes. Exactly. Not going to be a problem. No temperament. <laughs> <laughs> no negotiation required. That's it. I'm getting on you and I'm riding you. No, I think animals are, um, they are the most in alignment with who we are as well. So I think mm. that's a beautiful thing. They'll call us out and our bullshit in a way that we don't get offended by. That's which it. As people is amazing. <laughs> Absolutely correct. Couldn't agree with you more. So with the, what did you want to be? What, when you were a kid and someone said to you, what do you want to be? What was your answer? Surprisingly, this will shock you. I wanted to be an actress. Doesn't really surprise me. <laughs> wanted to be an actress. And you know, in high school, they put you on placement. 
Yeah. So you have to go and do it. And, you know, there was some that wanted to be aerobics instructors. I mean, that was never going to be me. <laughs> um, or they want to be a hairdresser. I'm like, please. So I'm like, no, I would like to be an actress because I'm going to be very famous one day and I shall forget your name, all of you. <laughs> uh, and they put me down a theatre company in Fremantle and we lived up in Kalaroo at the time. So it's right. a, a fair distance. And my poor dad, my mum and dad, would have to drive me down there. They'd drop me off and I'd be down there for, you know, three or four hours. And all I was doing was making tea, coffee, sweeping the floor and wow. answering the phones. May as well have been in that hair salon, right? Right. At least they could have done me hair. <laughs> could have had a blow wave done while I was there. Um, so it kind of put me off for a while because I'm like, no, this is, this is not fabulous enough for me. <laughs> so I would entertain myself by getting on the phone when people rang and just making up absolute bullshit um, because I didn't know the answers. Why have you put this? I'm seven, 16 years old and you put me on the phones. I have no idea about the show that you're doing. So I just made everything up. Um, so from there I thought, well, maybe I have got an acting career in front of me. So I have done some amateur theatre. Okay. And then that was great until I thought, hang on a minute, I'm putting all this effort in and entertaining the masses. And uh, and I'm not getting paid for this. Something's something's a little dodgy here. So uh, I did that just for fun. But yeah, that was my that was it. I wanted to be an actress. So let's talk about the money thing. You've mm. joked a couple of times about doing very little to get paid. It sounds like you've got a very cool <laughs> chillpreneur aspect of not needing to work too hard um, with or not wanting to work too hard. Which I really I really align with that because I don't believe that we need to suffer for our money. I don't believe that yep. um, being paid is a bad thing as a woman. There's so much crap that comes with mm-hmm. it energetically, generationally, all kinds of stuff. Yep. So what does money mean to you? When did you first start thinking about money? From a very early age. Is that because your family are quite money focused? They, they, my dad was a self-made <clears throat> man. So uh, we obviously grew up in, in the UK and he had his own business and then we came over to Australia and mum went back to work, which she hadn't done for years. She'd brought the kids up. So my dad didn't have that business anymore and then he then started another business which didn't succeed. So all of a sudden we've come from money, very nice property with horses oh, and motorbikes in, in the UK. Actually, that's unusual over there. <laughs> yeah, it really is. So we were quite well to do. Um, so we've come from that and then all of a sudden we're renting a house in, in Perth. And my dad's just like, I just want to go home. And mum's like, no, I love the weather. I like tanning. <laughs> and the kids love it here, the beach and stuff. So I think maybe at that point in time I thought I do like what money provides and I've seen, you know, how good it is when my dad was bringing in the money. And also, you know, we we had to tighten our, our bootlaces. Um, a lot of my friends went through uni. Like I, I'm a trained primary school teacher. I know that may shock you and scare you at the same time. <laughs> yeah, I'm not sure how I feel about that. <laughs> Hello, kids. How are you? <laughs> Let's words. Let's learn some effing and jeffing words today, shall we? No. Uh, I'll but- just <laughs> Let's talk about, let's talk about comedy. Let's talk about, so I put myself through uni. So a lot of my friends went through uni and of course their parents paid for everything. So when I was putting myself through uni, I, um, I had two jobs, um, and I worked at a spaghetti place. So I used to take home all the spaghetti, suddenly put weight on. And then even my German (laughs) shepherd suddenly put weight on because mystery. She loved it. She was getting lasagna every night. Oh, wow. And then she got to about 50 kilos and I'm like, okay, this, <laughs> get a knock on the door from the RSPCA. So, um, no, I th- that, I think that's where it comes from. I do like nice things mm-hmm. 
And I do, I always, I'm of the understanding that, you know what, you, you can't take it with you. Yeah. So I could walk out of here right now, get knocked over by a car, boom, it's gone. And yeah. now luckily my other half makes decent coin. So, and Chris sort of says to me, even though you're not making the money that you would expect in breakfast radio, you're enjoying it and you're enjoying your time with Rob. So you just enjoy that and and I'll, I'll take care of, of the money situation. That is a beautiful partnership. Um, someone who yeah. will put your well-being above mm. what your earning capacity is. Well, even when so when I left uh, Mix ninety four point five, when I left that, nobody could believe I was leaving. You know, we were rating really well. Uh, it was just a difficult situation there, and I went to the RSPCA. I dropped a lot of money. Yeah, and we had the discussion. Chris and I sat down, and Chris was like, "I don't want to see you unhappy, and if that means you're dropping X amount of dollars, then so be it. Do something that's going to make you." happy to go to work, which the RSPCA was. That is amazing. Yeah, pretty special. Yeah, and unusual. And especially in this day and age where people are quite money focused and actually quite quite, kind of panic focused around money. Like Mm. there is this whole fear response to the energy of money at the moment, which is it's hard not to get trapped into. Yeah. But money is a playful energy. Money actually is about manifesting. It's not about it's not about the energy as a currency. It's about the energy as a a manifesto creator. Yeah. So when you learn how to play with it. Um, and like, you can be excited about that. Like that's where money wants to be. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. And the thing is too, like, I'm the one that does the shopping. I'm the one that does most of the washing and the cooking because otherwise Chris is silence for you. Yeah. yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Um, but yeah, I, I do all that. Otherwise Chris would just have two minute noodles or, (laughs) or almonds doesn't cook. Um, but I'm frugal. This is the thing that, you know, makes, makes people laugh. I like nice things, but I'm very frugal. So if that means I've got to go through catalogs and I go to five different supermarkets, then so be it. Wow. Yeah. That's interesting. Mm. And that can sometimes be a generational thing as well. Well, mum's like that. Yeah, I thought See? your gran was as well. Um, your gran used a teabag yeah. more than once. You know, that kind wow. Of thing. <laughs> she was worse <laughs> than me. <laughs> but those are patterns that we take on generationally. Yeah. What about software? So you would have watched your dad's journey from being a self-made man and being comfortable in a place where it's quite difficult to be comfortable. Like the cost of living is lower in the UK, but people seem to have standards that they accept for themselves as a minimal standard. Mm. So it's a different sketch. And would dad's family have been working class yep. before that? So, so he broke that pattern, right? Absolutely he did. And then you would have watched him going through that transformation of losing something, losing his self-worth, losing his identity attached to the work that he was doing. And what did that look like for you? Were you were you perceiving that? Were you yeah, feeling that? and I just thought, oh, I don't want to, I don't want that to happen to me. Um, it, it affected my dad a lot. Yeah, I mean, men lot. men are so wired to that identity, to that mm. provider, to that, you know, yeah. what have I created? The space that I've taken for myself, and when it's when it's their own personal business as well, and it doesn't mm. float the way it should do. Uh, there's a sense of failure attached to that that it is very, very hard to eradicate or soften in any way because they won't believe anything other than what they're experiencing. And he's from that generation too. Yeah. And to have money to burn, like every year dad would have another car. So it would be a BMW and then, you know, oh, I want a, a, a whatever car, you know. Um, and he would just get it. So and then all of a sudden we come to Australia because my brother and I wanted to come here and my mum wanted to come here. Dad didn't actually want to, he loved, he loved England. Oh, wow. Um, to go from that and all of a sudden his wife has to go back to work. Uh, a lot. 
it, it's a lot to take on. I don't think he ever got over that. Uh, he always wanted to go back to the UK. And then when he did go back to the UK, he came home and this was, you know, not that long before he passed away. And he sort of said, yeah, no, nah, I wouldn't want to go back there. So I think he'd finally come to the point where he's like, okay, uncomfortable with that. Um, but I was the first person in the family to actually go through uni. So that was, wow. a, yeah, that was a big thing. So my, my brother didn't either. Um, I was the only one in that family. So my mum's side of the family, my dad's side of the family. So, uh, and I was brought up, both mum and dad, they let me do pretty much anything that I wanted. So horse riding, great, get her a horse, stick her on a horse. <laughs> guitar, okay, get her a guitar. Uh, piano, I mean, and these things didn't last very long. You want to do archery? Okay, we'll get you one of those bows. So it was basically anything. And I grew up with you can do whatever you want. That's an amazing legacy to live. It is huge, especially back in the 70s. There yeah. was no glass ceiling for me. My parents were like, you can do whatever you want. And even when I was going, I want to be an actress, <laughs> uh, my parents were like, go for it. I love that. But I do have a question for you, though. So with things like um, being an actress and even being on radio, when you're a public persona mm. and you are in that energy of co-creation all the time, people do naturally feel like for some reason that they own a piece of you. Mm. You'll get people who are very attached to your energy, people who are very attached to who they perceive you to be as a person. Yeah. And often around um, that celebrity vibe, that whole um, entertainment, but being a public figure, mm. people do it because they're hiding elements of themselves. They're, they're creating a persona that they can stand behind because it's something that becomes comfortable. You've yep. done stand-up as well. So that's also, you know, that's a, a huge... Um, it's a huge way that you would be shielding yourself. You'd be using your your sense of humour almost as like a defence mechanism in, to some degree. Yeah. I think if you know me outside, you know, behind, get away from the microphone or, or whatever, um, it's me. It's just me. Like I, I'm constantly cracking jokes, constantly making people laugh. I, I get a high off that. Good. If I can make somebody laugh, that's... And and when people do meet me, they're like, you're exactly the same. There is no bullshit. That's awesome. With me. Because life's too short. You know, I um, when I used to be in radio before, I was more like the girl, that, you know, I, I, I did the occasional sort of funny bit, but most of the time I was the one that laughed. Right, okay, background noise. That's not me. Yeah. I am not the girl that just laughs into the microphone. And if that's what you want, you're not going to get it from me. So now I'm at that age. I was younger when I was at 94 and at Coast. I'm older now. I don't put up with that shit anymore. So luckily I am with Rob who is very supportive and very giving. He doesn't try to jump on top of me and stuff. <laughs> um, he's very giving and he allows me to be me. And that is really, really refreshing to work with somebody who's not trying to steal your thunder, is just there to support and be there for you. So most, almost, I'd say 99% of me, what you hear is is the real me. That's amazing. And when when do you remember being self-aware? When do you remember knowing who you actually are as a person? I guess it started earlier, you know, you can do whatever you want. So that started as a child. Um, and I've certainly had that. My brother, on the other hand, was very, very quiet growing up. He's wow. older than me. And yet I was the loud, rambunctious one. But I think it's I think it's come later on in life where I don't have to put up with other people's crap. 
I'm too old. I'm too long in the tooth for that. I don't need to do. I'm I'm becoming one of those old ladies, you know, that is walking around the shopping centre and just farts and doesn't even apologise <laughs> and starts starts swearing. That I am a couple of years off that. Is that the, the goal? Is that what we're aiming That's for? That's my goal. <laughs> To just be able to sit in here, do a podcast, fart away and F and Jeff. Um, and as I say, give me two years, that'll be me. <laughs> <laughs> I think, yeah, more self-aware now than I, I have been growing up. I wouldn't go back to my 20s if you paid me. So you still 30s, had, the, you still had the, the same insecurities that everybody else has. You still oh, had yeah. the same trip-ups and hang-ups, maybe about not going to uni in the same way as others did. Like, Yeah, yeah, no, um, I was always very out there. That's never been an issue, <laughs> but it was more of an act back then. So oh, right. there was more of like, hey, look, I can make you laugh. I'm really funny, da 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 da, da. Um, But, and even now, actually, when when you think about it, people think, oh, you know, nothing affects her. I actually think sometimes I'll say something to somebody and then I'll be thinking about it for the rest of the day and then overnight I won't be able to sleep because I've said something and, what if they thought I was saying this? Mm. What if they took that in the wrong way? And what if I've upset someone? That for me is is terrible. That plays on my mind constantly. So how do you handle that? Do you get back in touch or do yeah, you just... normally. Okay. <laughs> normally. Because, if, and you know when you send somebody a text and you don't hear back and I'm like, oh, shit, I'm upsetting them? Yeah. Oh, no. And I, I will. I toss and turn. And then I'll have to make contact. And they'll be like, oh, sorry, I just didn't see your text. <laughs> it's like mad that. how that kind of gets into our head and that is sometimes an element of people pleasing that we don't realize mm. is a hangover from from different things yeah definitely i i do still please i like to please people i don't like people and i think that's where when i was at the last radio station you know that's going back sort of 15 16 years there wasn't much social media back then now i joined 6ix there's social media and on the Facebook page when I first started, some of the stuff was horrible. And that for me was really, really, really hurtful. You know, oh, you're shit and you're this and you're that. And, you know, do you ever shut up? Well, no, I don't actually, to be fair. <laughs> kind of your job not to though. <laughs> kind of my job. And um, that really affected me to begin with. And then it got to the point where because we man our own Facebook page. Oh, wow. Mm, so that's another that's another feather in the cap. Uh, so now I get to the point where it's like, I don't need to see this. Block, block, block. No, yeah. you don't. And it's hard. It's not your job to take on other people's perception. And if mm. they've got nothing better to do than spread that, then that says more about them than it does about you. It doesn't make it easier when you're in the firing line, though. It doesn't because they're keyboard warriors. And that's why when I am on, on social media, I will never say anything negative because... I know from the other point of view what what it's like. And you don't know what those people are going through. And um, and it's just so easy to throw stuff out there and be aggressive and I hate it. Yeah. I, I, I really dislike it. And it got to the point where, you know, I wasn't even looking at, at social media. And my own personal, like Facebook, it's not under my name. So yeah, you need to be separate from that. I would hate that leaking into my my real world. But, yeah, underneath this, you know... Funny, hard exterior, yeah. Someone has to ha someone has to do it. But the fact is, you you do have that self awareness. You do have that sensitivity. Um, you wouldn't do the work that you've done, and you wouldn't be a voice of connection or being leading into connecting energy, which is what you do, if you didn't care. Mm. 
And that's the thing, like you can't care and not care simultaneously. So there's no, there's no barriership around that. No. And I, and I th- feel like saying to these people, hang on, I'm actually a pretty decent person. You know, I, I, um, no, I don't go to church every Sunday and stuff, but I have my own, uh, things that I follow. And, and one of those things in, I, I treat people like I want to be treated. Plus I put the trolleys back, by the way, because that tells a lot about somebody. If you it really does. <laughs> bloody trolley in the, in the shopping bay. Um, but I also, cause one person that I did work with in radio, I remember we were out doing a listener function and I remember him saying he was, um, quite offensive towards, he didn't say it to the women, he was talking to, to me and he was basically having a go, oh, look at this fat one and blah, 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 blah. And, I'm, and I just turned around him and I said, how dare you? These people are listening to you and they've got the choice and they, these people here that you're treating like shit are paying your, your bills. They're paying your wages and you're treating them like rubbish. And to me, we're in a, in a privileged situation where we are talking into a radio. We're not digging ditches. We're talking into <laughs> into a microphone. Yeah, right? true that. Uh, and as far as work's concerned, it's pretty cruisy. So we are blessed to be in this position. And we are very, very lucky that people have chosen us to listen to. So have a little bit of respect. We're not superstars. It's like, you know, they, they coined the term personality which is hilarious because I've always taken the piss out of it. Yeah. You know, when they're going, but you're a personality. Mate, I'm not. I just work talking into a microphone I, and I never rate myself above anybody else. And that's why when we do have listener parties and stuff and, and listener functions, I love it because I just get, get down there and start talking to them, you know, talking to people. It's just like talking to friends. So how has your journey taught you how to use your voice for good then? I guess, well, in particular for radio, is that what we're referring to? Well, and everything, when you look at your entire, when you look at your entire pattern, career. you're also a teacher, you're trying to, the education thing comes in quite strongly with you. Mm. If the people know better, they have to do better, right? So Yeah, well, that's true. I, I guess the most important thing for me, that the whole teacher thing for me was because I thought, you know, I should probably do something other than this acting thing that I've, I'm going after. So that's kind of why I, I went back to uni for that. So um, I'd worked out, you know, I'd, I'd done the taxi driving, I'd done the career operating and stuff and, and I thought, oh, let's do something, let's get a career. So I went back to uni and discovered, look, I don't really want to do this, but I did really, really well anyway. Um, but when you put two years into it, it's like, well, I'll bang another year onto it and then I've got that certificate. Uh, or that diploma. With the RSPCA, I wanted to educate people for, for sure. I guess my most important thing was to get animals out of that situation. Um, because we've spoken about animals and how beautiful and wonderful they are, we really don't deserve them. So okay. I, the thought of an animal being in pain or distress uh, physically or mentally uh, really torments me. So to get that job, get in that position where I can get them out of that position when I can. It's very annoying when I can't and I know that there, you know, there's issues with, with ownership. Uh, and then educate uh, the listener, uh, educate the, the owners and also kids and stuff going through. So I guess that's how I use my voice there. Um, as far as radio is concerned, my whole idea in radio is just to give somebody a a laugh, you know? Um, It's powerful. It really is. It's like, and I do tell a lot of stories about my life and people say to me, is that real? Yeah, it actually is. 
You know, like, it happens. When I talk about things on the radio, it's actually genuine. Um, and if it makes somebody laugh, one person laugh, then that makes me feel great because I've given them a little bit of joy in life. Then I'm also in these in the in the situation where I can assist things like the green play, uh, Greenpeace. So they've got the whale situation up in the Kimberley, of mm-hmm. course, where they're going to be where, uh, Woodside's going to be doing the seismic uh, bombing or blasting. So you're going to have dead whales because of that. So I found out about that. I'm like, well, okay, I'm not politically minded, but I'm like, I'm going to support that. So we do talk about that. We do, do talk about, I did something on air this morning about the homeless community. Yeah. You know, let's start helping other people. And that's people. profound at the moment as well because of the it's rental profound. crisis. Exactly. We've got people, it's 2023, we've got people living in cars or on other people's couches. Or worse still, I've got a local guy, often I'll find them at Spud Shed out the front. You know, and I just, it's 2023, it shouldn't be happening. Uh, but it is. So so little things like that or, um, you know, the RSPCA is doing this thing or Greyhounds as pets are having a special adoption month, you know. So right. let's make people aware of that. I mean, people know that I love animals um, and I do try to help people, women suffering and, and guys suffering from family domestic violence. Yeah. Let's do stuff about that. Let's talk about that. What do you think would be in 100 years mm-hmm. when we're dead and gone, what is the legacy you want to leave behind you? What do you think will be the, the thing that people remember you for? Just for being a decent person. It's not a big ask, is it? It's really not. <laughs> Just a decent person. And, and, and yeah, she gave me a giggle. giggle. And awesome. she was smoking hot too. <laughs> of course, and modest. <laughs> and so modest with it. <laughs> Mate, if you don't blow your own horn, you know what I'm saying? No, no one's going to blow do it. it for you. <laughs> uh, no, just a good person. You know, and um, the the best person I know would be Chris. That's really genuinely. Beautiful. And Chris has said to me because I've said that on air as well. Genuinely, will do anything for you. So somebody's moving house, Chris will go. I'll come and help. Oh Jesus! Somebody's doing a busy bee, <laughs> or they're painting, or they're doing the gardening. I'll come and help. That's a good person right there. Right, SES. St. John's Ambulance, volunteer positions. And they're like, and she's like, yep, I'll do it too. No problems. I'm like, I'll keep the, the bed down. I'll look after the animals. And uh, when you're doing the busy bee, I'll bring the lemonade. <laughs> That's a good person. That's a genuinely good person. But both of you working together is what creates the bigger picture and that's a partnership. It's almost a reward for some of the other things that you've gone through in your life that maybe haven't been so easy to laugh about and mm. haven't been so, you know, I think, again, a sense of humour covers a lot, right? And it's an important mm. thing because you have to have it because it's your yeah. coping tool as well. But when you find that partnership, it's almost like the, hey, this is what you were looking for. This is how mm. two people can come together as two whole people and create something that is beautiful. That's yeah. got a lasting effect. But the work that both of you do, as beautiful as it is, it also has a heavier side. A lot of the time it has a heavier side. Mm. So at least you have each other. Like you said about that dark sense of humour, like my husband's ex-military, so I get it. <laughs> exactly. You know. <laughs> yeah, for sure. And nobody else will understand that. That's something that you guys who are in that space dealing with the things that you deal with is it's something that you have to wear, but you can't, you're balancing it out. You're balancing the heavy with the humor. Yeah. So you're creating um, equilibrium and the energy of equilibrium is something that is severely lacking in the world. So in a bigger picture, even though you're not looking at a bigger picture, essentially you're, you're doing what you can when you can with what you have. Yeah. The bigger picture is that you are creating stability. 
And sometimes that, that stability comes from a, a, an environment or a background where there wasn't. Yeah. So you're changing patterns and doing things differently. Very true. So interesting. Makes you think. Yeah, it does, doesn't it? <laughs> Makes you think. Um, but, yeah, a very good, you know, 20, 23 years together. Um, it's a good union. And I, and I realise, I mean, there have been times where it's like, oh, you know, I, I remember people coming up to me and chatting and we're like, there is, I, I, I'm always flirting. I'm so flirtatious. And mum says it's because I've got a dimple in my chin. And when opportunities have arisen, which is more than flirting, I run in the opposite direction about 100 k's an hour. Um, it's like there would be nothing that would come between me and Chris. It's just life is not worth it. The grass is not greener on the other side. Um, so you, I know when I'm on a good thing. Yeah. And it doesn't get better than that. Oh, thanks, love. <laughs> No. Oh, I thought you meant nothing gets better than me. Oh, as you do you know what? Some have greatness thrust upon them. Just lean into that. That's fine. <laughs> oh, I'm leaning. I'm bending straight over. No, thank you so much for coming in. I really appreciate it. It's been an absolute joy. <laughs> <laughs> and remember me as a decent person who may or may not have given you a giggle. Where can people find you? Uh, 6IX. Yep. We do the classic brekkie. It's hard to get on FM. It's hard to get on AM. So the best thing you can do is obviously you're tech savvy because you're listening to a podcast. Um, stream it online, 6AX or any any app. 5.30 to 10 o'clock every bloody day, Monday <laughs> to Friday, and we do a reheated on a Sunday morning as well. So it's good fun. Good music too, by the way. Very good music. We'd love you to join. Join us and have a bit of a laugh. Awesome. Thanks so much. Really appreciate it. Thank you. It's been a pleasure. Oh, you're very welcome. Yeah.